So if it's cool, we're going to do something different this morning because uh, it's either going to be really fun or an epic failure. And regardless, you guys are going to get to laugh and have a lot of fun. First off, though, I am going to go ahead and dismiss uh, the kiddos to South Creek kids. They're going to head out this way. Also, something really kind of exciting. Go ahead, kids. Uh, here's the thing. You guys normally get to play games. We're going to play games in here as adults today, and you guys don't get to. So just kidding. You guys get to do games back there and stuff. Uh, Miss Megan, who is our children's ministry director slash preschool director, uh, had her little baby, Charlotte Joe. Uh, it was on two, Wednesday, and uh, she is a bundle of joy. I would have put up a picture, but I kind of forgot to, and I probably should ask permission. So, um, But just take my word for it. She's super, super cute. And we are so, so excited just about our church continuing to grow. Uh, And we're incredibly excited that both her and baby are doing well. And Megan's going to take a little bit of time off to rest. So uh, if you try to get a hold of her based off church business things, uh, you may not get a hold of her very quickly. So um, so here's the thing. I want to play a game this morning, if that's cool. And I already asked a few people to be volunteers. And uh, so here's the thing. A lot of you guys don't know this. When I first moved here, which some of you are about to say, it makes so much sense. I got hired originally to be the youth pastor, and I eventually got demoted to being the senior pastor, and um, that was a couple years ago. And uh, so one of the things that I always loved about student ministry and even children's ministry is you get to play games. Because let's be honest, games are fun, right? And sometimes we we get this misinterpretation that, 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 that church and Sunday morning has to be all very, like, solemn and serious. And here's the thing, it's supposed to be fun. If Jesus was here, we'd be throwing a party. I mean, let's be honest. So um, I've asked a few guys from the worship team uh, to be a part of uh, a game that's going to be played. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go ahead and have uh, Justin and Josh are going to be on this side. David and Mitchell are going to be on this side. So they're going to be doing the same thing. Uh, one of you guys here and one of you guys got to be in the circle. So here's here's what's going to happen in the game. Um, they are going to have, we're going to have 30 seconds up on the clock in just a moment. Uh, but they have buckets of balls here and buckets there. Uh uh, Josh and Mitchell are within these hula hoops, and you guys have to stay behind your buckets respectively. And uh, what's going to happen is you're going to have to toss balls to them, they have to catch them, and then they have to put them in their uh, bucket. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's going to be two different rules in some ways to this game. Uh, David and Mitchell have the opportunity to use uh, both their hands just in a normal manner, okay? We're going to call them team open-handed, Okay. Over here, though, Josh and Justin are are going to be the uh, the clenched fist team. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. So for for Justin, uh, he's going to have to keep his fist clenched like this. Okay, so he's going to have to figure out how he's going to pick it up. He's going to show it. Uh, Josh, on the other hand, is going to be a little bit different. Uh, if anyone ever used to watch Saturday Night Live, superstar, uh, he's going to have to keep his hands uh, in his armpits. Hopefully, he wore deodorant this morning. Uh, his wife will find out later, probably. Uh, and he's going to have to stay like this. Now, again, they cannot, they have to stay within here. He has to try to catch them however he does and then put them in the bucket, okay? Whoever gets the most balls in the bucket at the end wins. You cannot dump your bucket. It has to stay within. Come on, mister, trying to uh, do the rules, okay? So, can we get the, the, the timer up, por favor? All right, ready, set, go! Stay in there!
Check out the totals here, okay? Um, all right, for the blue team, the, the, the clenched fist team, we have a solid one. Nice job. Very respectable. You guys can leave the balls up here and all that. I don't really care. Uh, let's see here. For the open-handed team, I'm not even going to count. There's there's quite a bit more, right? Like, we, they did pretty much better. Can you guys give them a hand? We'll go ahead and have them take off. So you might be saying, Aaron, like, why even play this game? What's the point? This is crazy. Thank you so much. Um, there's a, there's a method to some madness, maybe a little bit. Uh, that game, you might have said, was unfair. You might have said, how come there were some people who got the chance to uh, use, you know, all of their arms the way they wanted to? They were able to open their hands and other people were not. It's a great question. This morning we are continuing in our series called Movement. And uh, we've been talking through our, our core values, our, our four Gs, gather, grow, give, and go. And this week we're talking about the G that is give. In reality, we're talking about generosity. And when we talk about give, a great way to picture what we mean by give is to live open-handedly. And it means to live open-handedly with our time, our talent, and our treasure. You see, the truth is, is that when we live open-handedly, we have a greater opportunity to both give and to receive. And that when we choose not to, when we don't live a life of generosity, when when giving is not a part of our life, when we're not, again, and it's a holistic approach, this is not just talking financially, we live close fistly. Our our, our fists are clenched. There's, There's something very difficult about both giving out to others, which is something that Jesus calls us to do, and receiving from God himself. And this morning I want to talk a little bit about why some of that is. Why does it look that way? And I wanna, I wanna break down some scripture that has to do with giving. And again, I want to make this abundantly clear. This is far more than just finances. And if you're thinking that this is just a pastor trying to, to up a budget, uh, the truth is I believe that there's a very good reason why Jesus talked more about Money, finances, and, and how we are using our time, our talent, and our treasure than anything else. He talked about it more than heaven and hell. talked about it more than homosexuality. And the truth is, we think about the culture we live in, and it, it wasn't that different than the ancient culture today. Um, you know, I, get the, I get to do a fair amount of premarital counseling and different things like that. And, and even afterwards, people who are already married. You know what's phenomenally interesting? It is now probably more of an intimate thing when a couple puts together their bank account or shares their stuff than sex. I mean, think about it. Sex was created to be the most intimate thing that anyone could do. You know, what's also weird is sometimes people, their body language, when I'm talking to them about these different things, get more uneasy when we talk about money than when we talk about sex. I mean, think about it. Isn't that sort of weird? Like I, I have financial relationships with a lot of people. I'm going to go on record. I only have a, you know, a sexual relationship with one person. It's my wife. So uh, it's sort of weird, though, right? It's kind of messed up. 
In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it just says this. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I wanted to share that this morning as we kick off because I think it encompasses this idea of what we mean by give. It is this giving of all of ourselves. Because the truth is, is that if we choose to, to, to live with clenched fists in any aspect of our lives, guess what? We're missing out on relationship with Jesus. When you're holding back something from him, And this can go to your relationships. This can go towards your family. This can be your time. This can be your talent. And this definitely can be your treasure. That it has this deep opportunity that if we don't live out this idea of truly giving our whole selves, man, it has some huge implications for some bad things. How many of you guys like geography? That's probably a weird question that you weren't expecting. Um, I think geography is, is mildly interesting. I think it's interesting to better understand uh, different places. I love to travel. One place I've never traveled to but I would absolutely love to travel to is the Holy Lands. I think it's really interesting when you read scripture and you hear about different places. You hear about mountains and uh, you hear about different bodies of water. And I think sometimes uh, if we dig deeper into different places, I believe God is trying to teach us something. I recently was doing some studying and, and, and found out this from, from someone who was talking about this, and I thought it was worthy of uh, sharing. So I'm going to bring up, there's going to be a map that's going to come up on the screen. Uh, this is uh, much of the Holy Land, and I want to focus in, in particular, this morning on the bodies of water. So way over there, you got the Mediterranean Sea, definitely like a legitimate sea, ocean type place. Uh, that's there. But then if you go inland, you're going to see a few uh, bodies of water. You're going to see Lake Hula, which is at the top. And remember that. We're going to come back to it. You see the Sea of Galilee. That's one that we've probably heard lots about because that is where Jesus' disciples, uh, who used to be fishermen, that's where they fished. That was the land they came from. There's the Jordan River, which is kind of right in between the Sea of Galilee and what we see at the very bottom, the Dead Sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee is this interesting place that is really more of like a freshwater lake. Uh, this thing is 13 miles north to south, 7 miles at its widest place. It is this freshwater place just teeming with fish. I mean, this is almost as beautiful and great as probably a lake you'd find in Michigan, okay? Almost. But for real, this place has so much life. Uh, that's why um, for centuries this has been a place, even even today, which has a huge industry that, that revolves around fishing and things of that nature. Um, it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's, it makes sense why there was a lot of civilization put around this place. Now, connecting, uh, if you go 60-some miles south of there, you're going to hit something that's called the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea for a reason. There's a couple of reasons. One... There's like nothing that can sustainably live in the Dead Sea. Maybe some bacteria or some parasites occasionally could, but there's not fish. There's not any sort of wildlife that lives in the Dead Sea. Now, part of that probably has to do with that. It has an incredibly high salt content. To to kind of put it in perspective, uh, the average ocean or sea has somewhere between 6 and 10% salt uh, content. Uh, this, the, the Dead Sea has uh, somewhere around 35% salt content. 
That's why if you ever see pictures of people going to the Sea of Galilee, sometimes you'll see people floating. How many of you guys have ever seen a picture of a person like floating in the water? That would be at the Dead Sea. And so the truth is you can't really like swim in the Dead Sea. You can really just float. And so people come from all across the world just to float in this place. But again, this place doesn't really have any real life. All it, all it really is good for, some people will say there's healing properties within it, but all it really is good for is to go and float. It produces no life. It doesn't spill out or go anywhere else. The Dead Sea also, interestingly, sits uh, 1,300 feet below sea level. Now, its shores technically is the lowest place on earth, not underwater. Again, this comes from why some of this is called the Dead Sea. Now, it's phenomenally interesting because the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea actually are not very far from each other, right? In theory, from the outside, they would even look very similar, as long as you don't see anyone in the water. Um, but it's phenomenally interesting because they're connected by the Jordan River. The Jordan River is, is all throughout the biblical story. All throughout there. That's where Jesus got uh, baptized. It's, it's where there was some crossing into promised land. There's so much uh, in, in the biblical story about the Jordan River. Now, what's interesting is when we look at this, we probably assume that the Jordan River starts from the Sea of Galilee. But that is not true. So if you go up and even possibly pass Lake Hula, or sometimes referred to as the Hula Basin, uh, there are different headwaters that come, and the source that starts the Jordan River starts actually above the Sea of Galilee. And what's phenomenally interesting is that the Sea of Galilee receives water from a source, and it passes it down through, through the Jordan River, all the way down to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, though, all it does is receive water from the Sea of Galilee, from the Hula Basin, from the Jordan. It's estimated that there's actually tons and tons of water that evaporates and goes to waste in the Dead Sea every year because there's no outlet in which... It gives out. I tell you all that because I find it phenomenally interesting how God speaks through his creation. That there's a beautiful representation about the fact that the Sea of Galilee is actually teeming with life because, this is scientific too, that it both receives and gives. And that part of the reason why the Dead Sea is the way it is, is that it has no waters, no tributaries, nothing that goes out of it. It gives away nothing, and it only receives. You know, there's a story in there, isn't there? That if we truly want to live, we must give. That when we harbor everything and just receive, 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 and hold it in, it's going to go to waste. You know, at the end of your life, Guess how much of your, 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 your treasure and wealth that you amass you get to keep? None. At the end of your life, all that time that you had, the talents that you were given to be able to use, guess what? At the end of your life, you don't get that time back. You don't get to hit the button and say, hey, I, I, you know, I wasted 30 hours in, in 2018. Can I go back and reuse those? Can I use them now? You don't get to use those. If you have a Bible, you can open up this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, and, and, and 2 Corinthians is, is located in the uh, New Testament, and it's, it's the second letter that, that a guy named Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. 
And Paul has this crazy story. If you've never heard of Paul, check out this book called Acts sometime. And Paul, I was reading about it this week, and it, it always blows my mind. Paul was this super religious, legalistic person who persecuted and killed early followers of Jesus. And he had this crazy moment where he's walking on this road, and he is blinded quite literally, and he meets Jesus, and from there his life changes. And it was phenomenally interesting because, just a side note, it reminded me in my own heart to be reminded that anybody, even the people that I don't think deserve it, even the people who I don't think ever will, can have their hearts changed by Jesus. So don't ever give up on them. But anyways, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, and at this point, he, he's talking to them uh, about giving. And in particular, he's talking to them about helping fund some of the ministry that he is, is trying to do. And he says this, and, and, and when, we're going to read this, and then I want to break down a few things that I I feel that I learn about why it's important to to give holistically of our time, our talent, and our treasure. He says this, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And he continues on and he says, Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Kind of crazy, right, guys? So here's a few things that, that we learn from this story, from this, from this passage from Paul. Uh, the first thing is that there is a connection between our generosity that we have towards God and towards others and blessings from God. That there's a direct connection. And, and, and hear me on this up front. This is not prosperity gospel. Uh, prosperity gospel that says the, that, that, that you give and you're going to be blessed financially back for sure. Uh, that's not it. Because here's the truth. God, God doesn't promise that. But do you catch in there that there is a reality that the more that we are generous with others, the more we have the opportunity to be blessed back by God. And here's the thing. Sometimes it's not financial. Sometimes it's when, when, when we withhold the, the, the opportunity to serve someone and we choose not to, we miss out on the opportunity to meet face-to-face with Jesus. Because remember, he talks about in, in Matthew uh, 25 when he's separating the sheep from the goat, you know, how, did you know how, did, how does Jesus judge us? He judges based off, did we serve the least of these? Did he know us? And so we withhold from ourselves the opportunity to engage with God and to engage with his mission and to serve his children when we do not engage in the mission of Jesus Christ. And so how generous you are is how generous you're going to receive back. Again, it's, it's this funny thing. I think if we're all honest, uh, we hate the fact that, it, it, we know it's true, but we hate the fact that it's, you know, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. I'm just going to be honest. I would love to be able to, like, you know, buy a $5 scratch ticket and win a million dollars, right? 
Like, I think we all would just love this, like, give me an easy thing. And I'm not picking on anyone, but, like, let's be honest, even with health, we always see someone selling something, right? This latest, greatest, greatest magic pill. Like, all right, sweet. If I just take this pill three times a day, I'm naturally going to be skinny, strong, healthy. My, you know, my blood count is going to go up and my blood pressure is going to go down, right? We want to have the small investment in huge return. And again, we shouldn't be surprised that if we're making a small investment, we're not going to get a big return back. Now, the big truth, though, in all of it is here's the thing. The investment that you make in sacrificing generously of your time, your talent, and treasure, guess what? When you make that investment, you receive back the greatest blessing you ever could, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ, eternity with him. In the grand scheme of things, the, 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 the most generous way that we could ever live here on earth does not even match up to the blessing that we receive from him. So at the end of the day, truly, even if you so uh, generously in our earthly standards, regardless, the heavenly return that you're going to get is always going to outweigh that. That's the first thing that we learn. The second thing that we learn is that God is not interested in us giving out of any sort of fear or guilt. That he wants us to give out of joy. That when we give out of fear and guilt, that, 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 that doesn't really change us, right? You know, there's some of us who want to know, give me the exact amount that I have to give, and, 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 and give me this exact sort of, let me check off a box. And the reality is, is at the end of the day, the gift that, 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 that God wants to receive isn't a certain number, it isn't a certain percentage, but truly it's this heart. At the end of the day, he just wants your heart. And the idea is that heart change will lead to some of these things. Heart change leads to people gathering. Heart change leads to growth. Heart change leads to going out into our community and making disciples. Heart change leads to giving. Remember, it says that God desires a a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you to do under compulsion. He doesn't want you to to, to, to reluctantly do it. Because here's the thing. God isn't interested in scaring people quite literally the hell out of you. He's not. He's not. He's not. The, any sort of gospel that you've ever heard that begins with, uh, well, if you believe in him, you don't have to go to hell. That's not real gospel. Because the beauty of relationship with Jesus Christ that leads to eternity is the gift of being in eternity with Jesus, not avoiding something. Here's a question to ask ourselves. Uh, if, if in our view of heaven... If Jesus isn't there, does it matter to you? Because at the end of the day, we want to go to heaven because it means we're continuing in relationship with Jesus. We could debate all day theologically about what hell is like, whether hell is real or wrong. But at the end of the day, all I know is that if you're not in heaven, it means that you're separated from Jesus. And that's hell. Straight up. And the truth is there are friends, there are family members currently who live a life here today that has to be that. Because they're separated. They've done that. Here's the last thing that we learn uh, from this sort of thing. Uh, We are blessed for a reason. We're blessed for a reason. We are blessed by God so we can be generous. Think about that. 
I don't know about you, but I oftentimes, uh, I want God to bless me so that way I can pay off my student loans, I can buy a bigger house, I can take my family on vacation, and none of those are necessarily bad. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, God doesn't want to bless me so I can have more things, so I can have, quote-unquote, a better life. He wants to bless me so that way I can bless others. Because if we want to be followers of Jesus, here's the truth. Our lives are supposed to reflect and look like Jesus. We use the word disciple sometimes. A disciple would have been someone who would have sat under a teacher. They would have tried to emulate the teacher. And so if we're to be disciples of Jesus, we should look like Jesus. Jesus spent his entire life blessing others. In his ministry and obviously on the cross and with an empty tomb. But here's the question. If we're not living that life, if we're not living a life that is open-handed, trying to bless others, can we really say that we're followers of Jesus? Because that's one of the chief markers of who Jesus is. Is He was very giving. And again, it was with his time, his talent, and his treasure. So often you would see the fact that he would would meet people and he would give them his time. I mean, here's the thing. Each one of us have been blessed financially in far different ways. Guess what? Each one of us have the same amount of time each day. Each of us have been blessed with different gifts and skills and talents and spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But all of us have the same amount of time and opportunity. So again, if God has given us these blessings, it's not for us to hold on to. It's not just to bless us, but it's for us to be a blessing. From the very beginning, again, when uh, Josh last week, uh, our, our partner, church planter, talked about this idea of going way back. The idea of going started with Abraham. When God called him and said, I want you to leave your land, and I'm going to bless you and your family so that you could be a blessing to all people. So if our lives are not one of generosity... We're not really being a blessing to others. And the reality is we're putting up a barrier between us and Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 4, it just says this. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same kind of spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each of you, one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, he goes on and he describes, this is Paul. Again, this was the first letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. But did you catch that? Now, each of you, each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Essentially, what that means is that, listen, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit quite literally lives and resides inside of you. And when that happens, each one of us are given what we call spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not going to list them all off right now. If you would want to know more about spiritual gifts, let me know. But each one of us have been uniquely given different gifts. And there are spiritual gifts that are those gifts, but there's also gifts and talents in terms of things like playing music, uh, things like computer programming, like uh, teaching, like working with children. There's all sorts of stuff like that. But God didn't give us those gifts to make ourselves better. God didn't give me a gift of, of leadership in teaching so I could make a bunch of money and, 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 and lead something, right? He gave it to me so that way I could 
edify the body of Jesus Christ, that the church could advance further and farther because of that. And the truth is, he's given each one of you guys gifts too. So here's the thing to think about. If God has given you a gift and you're not using it, is that very loving? My dad, uh, I will never forget, I bought him, uh, I was in high school and I decided for like the first time ever, I was going to buy him like a nice gift. I wasn't just going to buy him like an ugly tie. So I saved up money and it was on clearance, but still it, it cost like 30 bucks, which for a high schooler, that was kind of a lot of money. And I bought him one of those, like, remember the, the original, like, Bluetooth that would connect to your, your phone that you could play, like, Snake on? And I thought, he traveled a lot. I was like, this would be great. He's always on the phone. That box never got opened. I think, like, five years later, we finally gave it to Goodwill or something. And you know what? To be honest, I'm low-key still a little bit mad at him. And the reason is, is because I gave him a gift for him to use. I gave it to him because my hope was that it would be a blessing to him and also it might be a blessing to others. He could call others and do different things like that. The same in a lot of ways is true in our own lives. God has given us these gifts, and if we're not using them, God has given us this time in our lives, and if we're not using it to bless others, then what are we using it for? Ourselves. It comes back to this idea is what is our posture in life? Are we close fist? Are we open-handed? God has given us these gifts to bless others, which, again, in turn, honors him. If you really want to honor God, if you want to love him, use what he's given you to love on his children. Use what he's given you to point others to him. I want to end with, uh, with this scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And uh, this is Jesus' teaching. He just says this. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. He goes on and he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if I might be able to go even farther, you cannot love God, fill in the blank. You cannot love God, love your career. You cannot love God and love your toxic relationship. You cannot love God and love all your own time. Now this doesn't mean you can't love in a certain way, but this love that is used in this is this total devotion. Every time that we choose to put our focus, to put our treasure, and again, our treasure is more than our finances, Wherever we put that the most, that's where our heart truly is. My hope and prayer for all of us is that we come to a place where we can honestly and earnestly say that I'm living an open-handed life, that my focus, that my time, my talent, my treasure, where you're going to find it is in the work of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to put us in the poorhouse. 
That's not for us to be um, irresponsible. That's not for us to neglect our children or our, our spouses or any of those. But it's to begin to have a heart examination and say, am I truly living a life that Jesus would have would have said, yes, this is what I envisioned in my kingdom? Or do I look like this? Because again, at the end of the day, if we hold so tightly, hold so firmly back, the only person that we're really hurting is ourselves. Because at the end of the day, the best way to truly receive the love and the blessing and the grace of Jesus is with open arms. This morning we're going to respond a little differently um, inside your bulletin, I have a few things. I wanted to give some tools and some opportunities for you to be able to, uh, to have some, some legs uh, to, 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 to do something if God is calling you. The first thing in there is you're going to find, we put in a quick start budget from Dave Ramsey. And here's the reason why. Maybe as I'm talking, you're like, Pastor, I couldn't even begin to think about giving to anyone or anything because my finances are so messed up. Maybe you just need to start simply with something like a budget if you're not doing that. Um, and if you want help with something like that, contact the office. We'd love to be able to hook you up with someone. But again, you'll see that it's, it's pretty important that it starts as the first priority, as making God the first priority in that. Making some sort of gift towards his mission being something in there. And, and let's just talk for a moment. Oftentimes we talk about tithe. Tithe means 10%. But here's the other thing. Uh, I believe it's in Philippians. It also talks about an acceptable gift. The truth is, is, is every person is in a different place. God is calling everyone to a different thing. One phrase we like to talk about around here is that we believe in equal sacrifice, not equal giving. That for some of us, we just don't have the time. We don't have the, 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 the current ability to use our talents. We don't have the current resources. And so it just begins by saying, God, I'm going to trust you with something. And for others of us, God has blessed us. We have all this time. We have all these resources. And he's, he's calling us to something different. Regardless, it's the act of saying, God, what do you want me to do? And then doing it. Second thing that if you pull out your connection card, it looks a little bit different. And on the back, there are different opportunities for you to sign up uh, for different ways to serve. And in there, you're going to find all sorts of ones. Some of them that I'd really love to highlight that we are uh, in some ways in desperate need of is our children's ministry has been booming lately. I believe there were 14 kids in just our toddler room alone last week. So one of them that would be great is we definitely need help in the nursery. Another thing is we could really use some help uh, with some more people if they'd be willing to look at doing like the tech team up in the sound booth. And it is not as technical and as scary as you think. And again, there's other places where there's others. Maybe there's an idea that you have that you want to talk about. But here's the thing. Look for some way to serve. We have opportunities in there that, that, that anyone could do. Anybody. Find somewhere to plug in. And if you want to look for something outside of the walls of this church, I would love to connect you with a ministry like Bridges Outreach or Coke Mervin Outreach or The Crossing. But do that. We're going to sing a song. And, and one of the opportunities that we're going to have to respond, and what I don't want this to be is I don't want this to be a, a guilt or coerce, but I want this to be an opportunity to respond in the same way that sometimes at the end of a message we have the opportunity to respond with prayer, with, with singing. 
that we also have the opportunity to respond by trusting God and giving back. So I'm going to ask that the ushers are going to come forward, and I'm going to pray. And you can go ahead and stand because we're, we're going to worship while we do this. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. God, you truly are incredibly generous with us. God, as we know in, in John 3.16, it said, For you so loved the world that you gave your son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life, because you did. your son did not come in this world to condemn this world but to save this world. And God, that verse alone reminds us of how generous, how open-handed you live with us. God, we want to be a reflection of that. So God, I pray that you would bless the gifts that we're about to receive. God, the gifts of uh, uh, financially. God, the gifts of people saying that they're going to step out in faith and, and serve in a different way. Um, God, whatever it would be, God, I pray that you would we would be able to hear you easily. God, I pray that you would grow us a heart that says, God, when we are giving, God, of our time, our talent, our treasure. God, that we're not giving because it's a, it's a box to check. God, we're not giving because we are fearful or we have been guilted or we feel like someone convinced us. But God, we are doing it because it's an outpouring of the love that we have experienced from you. And God, that love motivates us to do this. Because God, at the end of the day, as you've always said, God, we will be known for our love. So God, even in our generosity, would we be known for our love? God, I love you. I just thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for his love that is wild and that is reckless. And God, even though we don't earn it, we don't deserve it. God, we praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.